Is it bad to use consequences to help kids learn? Parenting often feels like a delicate balancing act. And using consequences is a controversial topic. It's often hotly debated in parenting forums. On one side, there are some who say that we should never use any consequences that are administered by the parent. We should only allow natural consequences. On the other hand, there are those who insist that each time a child misbehaves, they should receive a consequence that's unpleasant to them. Otherwise, they will not learn the appropriate behavior. Now, our podcast aims to empower discerning parents like you with the knowledge and tools needed to navigate the challenges of parenting. So how do we have a balanced and effective approach so that we build empathy, growth, and resilience in our kids? Are there days you feel you've had it with the sleepless nights, the temper tantrums, the constant fatigue of trying to keep up with an active baby? Does it feel like you're always working so hard as a parent, trying to do everything for your kids and family, and yet it never feels enough? We get it. You love your child more than anything, and yet parenting is also exhausting and challenging. Especially when you're bombarded with criticism and pressure to be the perfect parent, which, spoiler alert, does not exist. That's why we created Discerning Parenting, the podcast that helps you cut through the noise and focus on what truly matters in your parenting journey. This podcast is jam-packed with valuable insights and practical tips specifically tailored for parents of kids age 5 and below. So join us and discover how you can use the combined power of science, knowing your child, and your own intuition in making the best parenting decisions for you and your family. Today, we talk about consequences in parenting. Can they help kids learn? Or do they only traumatize kids and destroy the parent-child relationship? First, let's examine what consequences are. A consequence is the result or outcome that follows a specific action or behavior. And there are two types of consequences, natural and logical. What are natural consequences? These are the automatic results that happen as a result of behavior without anyone needing to do anything. So for example, it's cold outside and you tell your child to wear a coat, but the child refuses to. So when your child goes out, they will feel cold. Or for example, it's time to pee. It's part of your routine that you always bring your child to pee at that time. Let's say you're potty training, but the child says, I don't want to, and the child insists on skipping it. And then later on, they may wet themselves and feel uncomfortable. So these are examples of natural consequences because they happen without anybody having to do anything. Now, what are logical consequences? These are consequences that need somebody to intervene. So, for example, if a child uses a toy to hit a playmate, a logical consequence can be that toy is taken away. Some parents would say the toy goes on time out. So, temporarily, for the next few minutes, they don't have that toy to play with. Now, here is where the controversy comes in. Many people in the parenting space will say, that you should never use logical consequences. 
and that you should stick only to natural consequences. They say that logical consequences are really threats or punishment which cause trauma and damage the parent-child relationship. Now, there are a lot of nuances to this question, and we'll address them. So first of all, is it really practical to rely only on natural consequences? So for example, what's the natural consequence of not brushing your teeth? It would be having your teeth full of cavities. And it's not practical to wait for that to happen. And it's definitely not good or healthy for the child. So you may need to introduce a logical consequence. For example, you can't go out and play until you've brushed your teeth. And you may even need to communicate this in a routine chart, just like what we have in our Discerning Parenting Toolkit. Head over to discerningparenting.com toolkit where you'll also get a routine chart. Well, there are some experts who are going to say, well, the feeling of clean teeth versus dirty teeth is already enough of a natural consequence. Well, maybe for some kids that would be enough. But Remember, our brains can process the same sensations in different ways. So there are many toddlers who may not mind or who may not even be able to sense the difference between clean and dirty teeth. And the same thing goes for washing hands. They say, you know, you don't even need to have a consequence like you need to wash your hands before you can come in or before you can touch this toy because they already have the feeling of clean versus dirty hands. But not all toddlers can sense this. Now, here's another example. Most parents would not want to use natural consequences to teach a toddler not to wander away in public places. So it may make more sense to use a logical consequence like if you run away from me while we're at the mall, we'll need to go home, then we can come back on another day when you're ready to walk with me. And of course, the exact situation and the exact consequence will depend on your situation and your family and your child. We're not here to dictate to you this is where you should have a consequence. This is the consequence that you have to give. We'll talk about some general principles, but this is about the thought process, the process of becoming a discerning parent and discerning parenting decisions. Now, obviously, we don't advocate simply handing out a consequence without first building a strong connection with your child. For example, in wandering in public places, we also need to build that connection with our child. And we also need to be proactive. It's not enough to simply wait for the child to wander away and then give a consequence. Instead, we will teach and even practice beforehand how the toddler will walk beside the parent and hold the parent's hand if necessary. And things like these are what we talk about in our parent coaching programs. We talk about high-risk situations. For example, for some families, going out and going to the mall or the grocery store or going to a public place or going to a party or a family gathering, maybe a high-risk situation, and then we talk them through it. What are the things that you need to prepare? Now, before using consequences also, be sure that the demand is an appropriate one. For example, it would not be appropriate to use consequences for a four-year-old who refuses to sit down and answer a set of worksheets. Instead, we need to review. Are the worksheets age-appropriate in the first place? Especially today, 
when we want kids to achieve more and more academically at earlier and earlier ages. And then we say, you know, I've tried everything. I've tried consequences. I've tried rewards. But my child still won't answer worksheets. Well, let's take a look. Maybe it's not a problem with you or your child. It's not your fault. But it's those worksheets. That is an inappropriate demand that maybe you have been pressured to put on your child. So let's remove that pressure on yourself. Another part of this would be the nuance between a consequence and a threat or a punishment. And these are nuances that often get lost in bite-sized social media posts and 45-second videos. There are all these short videos that say consequences are really punishments. But they're not the same. Here are differences between consequences and threats or punishments. A threat is often delivered in the heat of a moment when a parent is trying to control a child's behavior. Usually, they're presented in an angry tone or in a dangerous tone, and they're intended to provoke fear or compliance, and they're often vague or exaggerated or unreal. So what are examples of threats? If you don't pack away your toys, you won't get to play with them ever again. Or if you don't take a bath, the monster will get you. Monsters love smelly kids. Or just wait until your dad gets home. Or just wait until I tell your dad what you did. And what are examples of punishments? Punishments include shouting or humiliating a child or giving a child a silent treatment. And for some physical punishments such as spanking or even making a child kneel on beans or locking them in a room after they misbehave. Or sometimes it's even, oh, you broke something, I'm going to break your toy. Now, these are clearly punishments. These are not consequences, and we do not advocate giving punishments like these. Now, if at some point you may have entertained doing one of these or you have done one of these, This is not a judgment, and this is not to tell you that you're a bad parent. Take heart. You are here. You are listening to this podcast. This means you recognize that you want to break free from that negative parenting cycle, and that is a huge and important step. It's not true that threats and punishment like these are effective in helping kids learn appropriate behavior. In fact, They can model the very behavior we want them to stop. If we spank them, it models hitting. If we break a toy when they break something, then it models breaking and destroying property, which we don't want them to do. And remember, young kids especially, they learn more from what they see us do rather than from what we tell them. So that's why discerning parenting is all about showing many other strategies that you can use. So. If we've fallen into a negative parenting cycle of relying on threats and punishments, then there are alternative things that we can use. So how can we use consequences in a way that's positive and trauma-free and that will be effective in helping kids learn? So there are three strategies here. First, the consequence needs to be related to the behavior. If a child uses a toy to hit someone, and then that toy goes on time out for a few minutes. This is related. And in fact, it's a wise precaution to help prevent further injury. But if a child refuses to eat, 
and then you tell them, okay, you don't get to play with your toys for the rest of the day, then this is not related anymore. And second, you need to communicate what you expect your child to do. And the consequence must be something that can be enforced immediately. So for example, you can show your child different acceptable ways of playing with a toy. So they know they have many choices and ideas. Then if the child uses it to hit someone, you can take it away for a few minutes and let them try again afterwards and then show them appropriate ways of playing with a toy. That's why if you threaten something like, oh, the monster will get you or the policeman will get you, they're not effective. Why? Because the child soon learns that these are empty threats. And it's actually these threats that might be traumatic. If you feel that you're personally unable to follow through with a consequence, it might be better not to mention it at all. For example, some parents, again, there's absolutely no judgment here. I know these are natural reactions. And these are natural reactions that could have been built because of how we were raised also as kids. So this is not a judgment, just pointing out things that might not be helpful to us. For example, in the heat of the moment, we may shout, if you don't behave right now, you won't get any iPad time from the rest of the day. First, it's not clear. What do you mean by behave? What do we actually expect the kids to do? But at the same time, later on, we may feel completely exhausted and then end up giving the child the iPad away. Then it's not going to be effective as a consequence and it ends up becoming a threat or a punishment. So this is one of the biggest reasons why sometimes there are parents who say, I tried positive parenting, but it doesn't work because they associate statements like these with positive parenting. They just say, okay, positive parenting means I didn't spank, but I did this instead. And then it wasn't effective. Then they say, oh, positive parenting didn't work. And again, if this has happened to you, this is absolutely not a judgment on you. After all, you meant well. And it can be difficult to know the right reaction, especially in a stressful situation. And I know that this is something that even I need to remind myself of. And third, and this is extremely important, the consequence must be respectful and realistic. The consequence is not used to induce fear, but to foster understanding and learning. And this is why a consequence doesn't need to be unpleasant to the child. Here's an example. An example of a respectful and realistic consequence is if a child makes a mess, they help clean it up instead of somebody else automatically cleaning it up for them. Now, sometimes when I suggest this consequence, parents will tell me, that's not going to work. My child loves to clean up. But a consequence doesn't need to be unpleasant for it to work. And Many people who are against logical consequences, they say they are artificial because they need a parent's intervention for them to happen. But they're not artificial. If we think about it, logical consequences are a part of life. If a child consistently doesn't submit homework or study in school, the child can fail. At work, if we miss a deadline, we lose a client or we can even lose a job. I wonder, have you ever worked with someone who cried foul when you held them accountable to what they promised? Maybe you had a provider who 
consistently fails to deliver work on time and then you say, okay, we're not going to work anymore. We'll terminate your services because you don't deliver on time. And then they're shocked and then they cry foul. Who knows? We don't know. Could they have been protected from logical consequences while growing up? In contrast, if we implement consequences in a respectful way, in a way that is realistic and that helps kids learn, it can encourage responsibility and promote problem-solving skills. This is because consequences allow children to understand the link between actions and outcomes, and it also teaches them how to make things right, especially in examples where the consequences can help put things right, such as cleaning up a mess. And this can help them make better choices in the future. Now, this is an excerpt from the book, The Discerning Parent's Guide to Toddler Behavior. And be sure to visit discerningparenting.com to find out how you can get that book. And if you look at discerningparenting.com, you can sign up for a free toolkit with guides for parents of kids age 5 and below. And you can also find out about our coaching packages that can help you handle parenting challenges and nurture your child's development. Now, thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to follow the Discerning Parenting Podcast so you don't miss any of these episodes to help you and support and encourage you along your parenting journey and head over also to discerningparenting.com for more.